find our place, find our Bible, remain standing, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Now who remembered, who remembered to bring your outline back? You remembered to bring, that's a miracle. It's a miracle. How many of y'all did not remember? I, I thought about you. I thought about you. All right, let's try to, let's see. Raise your hand if you forgot to bring your outline back. All right. All right, we got, I don't know if I got that many. If we don't, we'll have to, we'll have to make up some more. Ain't no problem. All right. If you need, if you need last week's outline, raise your hand. Last week's. Oh, boy. May have to print off some more. Hey. Who's got last week's? All right. Who needs, who needs uh, this week's outline? Who needs this week's outline? Raise your hand if you, you did not pick up. This is the supplemental outline, just in case we don't get done with the first one. <laughs> you need both of them. You need to adjust your attitude and love. Lord have mercy, this is complicated. All right, you just got what you got. Look this way. All right. I guess you're going to have to learn how to take notes, amen? All right. Here's what, here's, if you're new, if you're new tonight, uh, we, go through the, we go through the Bible verse by verse. We learn, we study, we grow, we mature, we develop into the disciples Christ wants us to be. Amen, church? And we just happen to be in 1 Peter chapter number 4. Last week, we did not finish with the outline, so... Uh, uh, we had to we had to stop there, and we're going to finish it this week. But y'all know I have a fear of not having enough information to give you, and you leave without enough stuff. So I made another one. This is the supplemental outline to the old outline. And if we if we don't get done with the old outline, you can just throw the supplemental one away. Amen. But we'll try to get it because I really want to get there's some really good stuff with that. Uh, 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 that will help us tonight. But either way, we're going to leave full. Amen? Ain't no sense in going to the table and not getting full. Amen? All right, 1 Peter chapter number 4. Last week, uh, we, we discovered that, that Peter wants to adjust our attitude. He said there's some areas of our life uh, that we need to work on our attitude, and the first one was sin. We need to adjust our attitude when it comes to sin. We need to hate sin. Say that with me. We need to... We need to hate sin. We always love the sinner, but we have to hate sin. Now, listen, we don't need to hate the sin any more in a neighbor than we do our sin in our own life. And sometimes I think everybody's focused on everybody else's sin, and they're kind of overlooking their own, and that's, 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 that's not good. We don't need to do that. Amen? Amen. Well, let's look here. Let's look in, in verse number 3. Let's start in verse number 3 because that's about where we are. Uh, with our attitude towards sinners. That was the second point where we stopped, all right? So if you're in 1 Peter 4, 3, say amen. amen. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In other words, in our former life, before we were saved, before we came to know the Lord as our Savior, uh, we acted like sinners. We acted like people who did not know Jesus. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, Wherein they, that's your running buddies, that's the, the people that lived in sin with you, 
those that were lost in, in this world, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you. They don't know why you're not going to the drunken parties no more and you're getting up early and going to church on Sunday. They can't figure that out. That, that just don't make sense to them. It says, who shall give account to him, that's you and me, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. The word quick means alive. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent... What's that mean? Love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, please use both tonight to edify your children. Help me, help them, help me, help me. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll just give us what we stand in need of. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Last week, again, we, we talked about our attitude. Attitude determines altitude. Our attitude towards sin. Then the second thing we discussed was our attitude towards sinners. Uh, two things there. Two things there. If you were taking notes, I think we got to A, but we did not get to B. But first, we, we want to talk about our attitude toward the sinner's confusion. In other words, uh, we, need to, we need not get upset when they don't understand us and they begin to question our motives. They begin to question our behavior. They question, uh, lost people are not going to understand why you're going to give a tenth of your income to somebody you can't see. They're not going to understand why you would, you would love people that you used to didn't like. They're not going to understand why you will get up early to go to church and, 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 and you're not doing the things that you used to do. You're not behaving in the way you used to behave. They're, gonna, they're just not going to understand that. They're going to be confused about that matter. Uh, it's just not going to make sense to them. Uh, here's, here's the deal. When you were lost, you were in darkness. The moment you found Christ, your eyes were open. Your eyes were open. And now you can see. Uh, 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 somebody who can see can understand things better than someone who can't, the blind. Now, there's confusion there. But then, B, write this down. We need to have a, have a right attitude not only toward their confusion, but B, toward their criticism. Toward their criticism. We need to, we need to get this. Some of, us, some of us really need to grow up. I mean grow up. I, and I, I'm going to say we because I'm going to put myself right there. I don't like it when people talk about me. I don't like it when people criticize me or criticize the ministry or criticize my efforts or criticize my motivation. I, I don't like that. I don't like it when people uh, uh, say stuff about Temple that's not true. Matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, after, after last Wednesday uh, 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 in teaching this, and, 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 and maybe I have an excuse because I really didn't get to this point. I, I, I didn't get to this point. And, and when they did criticize Temple, I got mad. 
So I have an excuse now. Now, if I'd have got to this point, I wouldn't have got mad last week. Amen? But uh, somebody, somebody really said something that was, was wrong, that was not true about Temple, and, uh, and, and criticized us. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I had an attitude, and it wasn't adjusted either. Say amen. And, and have you ever noticed that sometimes when you go to church, when you go to church and you learn something in church, God tests you right away on it? Have you ever noticed that? Uh, whether it's forgiveness, all of a sudden you realize somebody does something to you, you got to forgive them and practice what you just learned. It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like taking the test after the lesson. You know, your teacher will give you a lesson and, and teach this, this great lesson on a certain subject. Then at the end of it, she's going to test you to see if you got it. And here's what I've learned about life. And I'm kind of freestyling a little bit right here because I'm just rolling what the Holy Spirit is telling me. Uh, you need to understand something. Uh, God's going to keep testing you till you get it. And if it's and, and, and I had to, I had the same issue. I had something I had something come up Wednesday night that just I mean it it, it had me set free. Now I'm telling you, I was ready. Uh, it was a situation that that happened to one of my kids, and and uh, and, and and even though even though my kid is, is kind of grown, uh, she's still my baby. And and when you you a grown person and 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 you embarrass my baby, we got problems. And I, and I, son, I, I was just, here we go. I, I was ready to resign and become a deacon so I could pop him right in the eye. Are y'all with me? <laughs> I'll just be a deacon a month and then come back and be a pastor afterwards. Amen. I'm like, man, why is this happening? Very next day, very next day, something, somebody posts something real ignorant on Facebook that's a lie about Temple. And man, I'm, I'm angry again. Here we go. Here we go. And all this stuff. And, and, and what Peter is telling us here, we need, to, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. He said, because people are going to criticize. People are going to talk. People are going to do their thing. Lost people do what lost people do. But we've got to be able to have the mind of Christ so we can have the behavior of Christ. They were nailing him to a cross. And he said, Father, say it with me, Father, for they... Now, see, I was quoting, he knew exactly what he did, and I'm going to explain it to him. Amen? Now, <laughs> now, how many of y'all would, would just, let's just get real and say, Preacher, I, I've been there. Come on. We, we got to be different. We, we've got to be different. And, 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 you know, God had to get my attention on that deal. But we, we got to understand things. Look, look in verse number, <clears throat> look in verse number five. Look at, or excuse me, verse number four, at the end of verse number four. When they see you different, when they see you not running with them like you used to, when they see you being different, acting different, talking different, the Bible says they're going to speak evil of you. They're going to speak evil of you. They're going to criticize you unjustly, obviously. It says, but you give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. And for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. Now that, that means now dead, those that had died in, in Peter's time. It says that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, let's, let's read our paragraph, our notes. The unsaved may judge us, but one day God will judge them. Now, instead of arguing with them, we should pray for them, knowing that the final judgment is with God. This was the attitude that Jesus took in uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 23. We read, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. 
and also Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy, we must not interpret 1 Peter 4, 6 apart from the context of suffering. Otherwise, we will get the idea that there is a second chance for salvation after death. Peter was reminding his readers of the Christians who had been martyred for their faith. They had been falsely judged by men, but now in the, in the presence of God, they received their true judgment. Them that are dead means them that are now dead at the time of Peter's writings. In other words, those that were martyred or gave their life for Christ. The gospel is preached only to the living because there is no opportunity for salvation after death. Unsaved friends may speak evil of us and even oppose us, but the final judge is God. We may sacrifice our lives in the midst of persecution, but God will honor and reward us. We must fear God and not men. Underline that. Underline that. We must fear God and not men. I found this out. If you fear God, you won't fear nothing else. If we will learn to fear God, we will not fear anything else. While we are in these human bodies, we are judged by human standards. One day we shall be with the Lord and receive the true and final judgment. What's the point? The point is this. The only, the only opinion that matters is the Lord Jesus. There's going to be people criticizing you. And by the way, not just sinners. Not just sinners. There's going to be, there's going to be uh, and I use the term loosely, Christian people that are going to criticize you. Because they don't act real Christian when they're criticizing but there are saved people that will criticize other saved people because they don't understand the issues or what's going on in their life. If they're different, you're going to get criticized. Now, you can go with the flow, and you can go with everybody else, and you, you can get stagnant, and you can die, and you can just do what everybody else is doing and run with the crowd, and nobody's going to talk about you. But that's fine. That's fine. If that's what you want, uh, you're not going to have much of a life. But if you stand out in the crowd, if you stand out for Jesus, if you come outside of the box and say, I don't care what the status quo is, I want, I want a verily, verily blessing. Are y'all with me? I want to I come out of the ship. I want to walk on the water. I don't want to be a boat riding disciple. I want to be a miracle working, a miracle experiencing disciple. Man, let me walk on the water. I may sink in the water, but at least I'm out there. Say amen. And so, so don't let criticism don't let criticism get you. God's the only judge you have. God's the only judge you have. It doesn't matter what the brethren say. It doesn't matter what the critics say. It doesn't matter what the sinners say. If God is smiling, it don't matter who's frowning. That's what that point is saying. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let's look at the next point. Number three. We saw our attitude toward our sin. We need to hate it. We need to, it needs to disgust us. It just, needs to, it just needs to irritate us. We want to stay away from it. We want to do everything we can to avoid it and fight it in our life. Number two, the attitude towards sinners. And number three, and this is, re- this is really important. Well, if we can get this man, I'm telling you, it will revolutionize our church. The attitude towards saints, how we treat each other. The Bible says this, the end of all things is at hand. What he's saying there is we're running out of time, guys. You know what? I'm going to get a T-shirt made that says, life is too short to be grumpy. Amen? Life is too short to be grumpy. Life is, life is too short to go around hating on people. You know what I found out about most people? If they're hating on people, they really don't like themselves too much. And the hate they transfer to others is really the hate that they feel for themselves. They hate their life. They hate, they hate the decisions they made in their own life. 
They hate what's come against them in their life. So what they do is they transfer that on everybody else and spew on everybody else what they truly feel about themselves. And, and we'll come back to that. But the end of all things is at hand. We're running out of time. Be ye therefore sober. Sober, alert, pay attention, aware, and watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. And above all things, above all things, everything I've said so far, he says, above all things, have fervent, what's that word? Have fervent, which is among yourselves. He's talking to the brethren. Among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Look in your notes. If we really look for the return of Christ, then we shall think of others and properly relate to them. Love for the saints is important. He says, above all things. Love is the badge of a believer in this world, uh, especially in times of testing and persecution. Christians need to love one another and be united in heart. This love should be. Just a few things here about this love, and then we're going to jump into the uh, supplemental outline. First, it needs to be a fervent love. Write that down. Hey, it needs to be a fervent. And if we didn't have enough outlines for you, we'll make sure and get you one. I'll just print you one with all the answers in color. How about that? Say amen. And y'all don't throw y'all's away and then come get a color one now, all right? All right. Uh, I love you. Amen. I love you. Fervent love. Fervent love. It says above all things. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. The word fervent here pictures an athlete straining to reach the goal. It speaks of eagerness and intensity. Christian love is something we have to work at. Underline that. Christian love is something we have to work at. Just the way an athlete works on his skills. It is not a matter of emotional feeling. Please get that. Though that is included, but of dedicated will. Christian love means that we treat others the way God treats us, obeying his commandments in the word. It is not an emotional feeling. It's something that we have to work at. You see, the, the kind of love God wants us to have is unconditional. And, and unconditional means you got to love the unloving. Because that's what he did. Now, the bad part about that is, 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 is it's hard to love irritating people, right? I mean, if, if somebody uh, if somebody irritates you in their behavior, or somebody irritates you in their in their treatment of you or treatment of others, if if somebody's just they, they just grind on you, it's hard to love them type people. You know, the Bible goes on to say we should love our enemies, but but it's 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 hard to do that. So guess what? Guess what Jesus will do? He'll if we have a problem with irritating people. Guess who he'll put us around? Right? Because God wants us to love them. And if we fail the test, you will get Mr. Irritating's brother. Y'all with me? Now, we got to work at it. It may not, it may not come right away. It may not, it may take a little time. There may be trial and error. We may mess up. Have y'all ever messed up when it comes to loving somebody? Got angry when we should have got quiet. Amen. 
So this is something we have to work at. Then B, not only a fervent love, but a forgiving love. A forgiving love. Look what it says in verse number 8. Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Christian love is forgiving. Now you got to get this. Love does not condone sin. For if we love somebody, we will be grieved to see him sin and hurt himself and others. Rather, love covers sin in that love motivates us to hide the sin from others and not spread it around. Underline that. Love covers sin in that love motivates us to hide the sin from others and not spread it around. Where there is hatred, there is malice. And malice causes a person to want to tear down the reputation of his enemy. This leads to gossip and slander. Uh, Genesis 9, this is a story of Noah. Y'all remember what happened when, when Noah got drunk? And, and if that comes to a shock to you, he did. He got drunk. Noah got drunk and shamefully uncovered himself, and his son Ham saw his father's shame and told the matter to the family, laughing, joking about it, jesting. In loving concern, Ham's two brothers covered their father in his shame. What's the point? If somebody comes to you telling you about the, the failure of another, you shouldn't go spread it around. Love don't do that. Love does not want anybody else to know about the failure of that person. Y'all with me? That doesn't mean we, 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 we condone anything. It just means we do everything we can to protect somebody and help that person in the issue. And, and you say, and I've heard people say, well, it's just con constructive criticism. Uh, criticism is not constructive if you're not addressing the one who you're critiquing. Did you hear what I said? Criticism is not constructive if you're not addressing the one you're critiquing. In other words, if I'm telling you about this brother over here's fault, I'm not, that's not constructive criticism. That's gossip. That's slander. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't do that. Love, love wants to hide. Love wants to protect. Love wants to do everything it can to help the person. Uh, not only a fervent love, but a forgiving love. I want you to see this. Then see. I love this part because, uh, you know, talk's cheap, isn't it? Talk's cheap. Everybody likes to talk a good game. But, but, but talk is, is exactly that. It's cheap. He goes into dealing with the practicalities of love and how we can practice it. We don't need to just say we love one another. We don't need to just say we love one another. We need to practice it. This is a focused love. Write that down. See, a focused love. He says this. Verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Verse 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be praise and dominion forever and ever. Now here's two things. Two ways we can practice love. Number one, hospitality. Hospitality. He said we should, <clears throat> we should share our homes with others in gener generous and uncomplaining hospitality. In the New Testament times, hospitality was an important thing because there were few inns and poor Christians could not afford to stay at them anyway. Persecuted saints in particular would need places to stay where they could be assisted and encouraged. 
Hospitality is a virtue that is commanded, commended throughout the scriptures. Moses included it in the law. And Jesus enjoyed hospitality when he was on earth, and so did the apostles in their ministry. Human hospitality is a reflection of God's hospitality to us. Christian leaders in particular should be given to hospitality. Uh, how can we describe that? Be nice. Just, just be nice. Just be nice. This doesn't mean you have to invite people over to your house every night. Say amen, ladies. This, that's not what that's talking about. It means you're, you, everybody knows what southern hospitality. We talk about uh, southern hospitality and being hospitable. It's just, let's break it down to this. Because we can be, we can show hospitality at work. We can show hospitality walking down the road or, or excuse me, driving down the road. I, I, was, I was going to church Sunday morning. This, this fella in the cold and rain and he, he had his five-gallon bucket walking down the road. And, and I, now this don't mean, ladies, I don't think you need to pick up anybody. Let your husband do it if he feels the need to do that. I just, there's too many crazy people out there. And so, so if it's real serious, call the police and let them help them. But ladies, you don't do this unless you're bad. Hey, man, you do what you want to do. But uh, uh, this guy, he was just walking down the road, and, and, and God just said, man, he could use a ride. He could use a ride. So I whirled around. Went back, and man, that dude had a long walk. By the time I thought, man, I didn't want to drive this far, and he had to walk that far. Here we go. It's just just a gesture, just something. I said, man, hey, you go to, go to church and where? No, I just moved here from so-and-so, and, and it, so I got to invite him to church and all that. And, and I'm just using that as an example. It's just, it's just being nice. It's just being nice. It's being courteous, holding the door open for somebody. You know, I, I try to do it on purpose just to just to – Put it in me, just whether it's a whether it's a gentleman or a lady, especially the elderly. But just even if it even I, I've done it with 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 a, a lady across the across the the gas station parking lot at the farthest pump. She's coming, and, and it's an elderly lady. I just sat there and waited, just 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 to be nice, because you don't know what an act of kindness may lead to. You know. It gives you an opportunity. It just gives you an opportunity to show Christ. Be nice. Be nice. Say it with me. Be nice. Be nice. Just, just be nice. Then number two, we can focus and practice our love by hospitality, being nice. Number two, by service. By service. Look what he says in verse number, look what he says in verse number 10. As every man hath received the gift. Every man and woman in this building has received a gift. You've received a gift. God has given you something to use to bless the body of Christ. Some have the gift of administration. You're really good administrators. You're really good in organizing. And, you, and, 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 and Lord knows we need them type people. There are some people here that are encouragers. Encourage. How many of y'all know, how, how know Miss Diane Harris? Anybody know Miss Diane Harris? I know some of you newer ones, you might not know her yet, uh, but you will for us over with. Uh, she's the most encouraging person I've ever met in my life. Most encouraging person I've ever met in my life. I go to try to encourage her because sometimes she just goes through really difficult situations and, and I go to encourage her and I don't want, I'm the one who leads in courage. She's just an encourager. That's, that's what she, God gave her that gift. 
there's, there, there are recruiters in here. There are people that have the, and it's really kind of the gift of evangelism. They can recruit people and encourage people to, to get involved in certain things. My father can sell Eskimo ice. I'm telling you, he can, he, he has a way of just getting people to, to, to get in ministry or do things and, and, and get involved in service. Everybody's got a gift. And the Bible says this, as you've received that gift, as you've received that gift, watch what it says. In the very next verse, it says, so minister the same, what? God didn't give you a gift to wrap it up and hoard it up and keep it in your pocket. God gave you a gift to bless others. I don't know why you keep wanting us to get involved in some ministry around here, because God said to. God didn't give you your gift for you. God gave you your gift to minister to others. See, you're to bear fruit so others can partake of that fruit. Does that make sense? He says, use your gift to bless others. Use what I give you. God gave me, God gave me a gift of exhortation. Exhortation, and, and I, I think part, partly the gift of encouragement. I love, I love encouraging people. I love exhorting. I love lifting and building up through, through the scriptures. I just, I, I love it. I, I, I was in, I, see, I got, I got a real problem, Buchanan, uh, in, in Bible, Bible uh, study and life groups because we get on a topic and I, I just bust out an outline on them about five seconds. Amen. Don't mean to. Don't even try. It's just, it's just, now, now, I, what if I never shared that with nobody? What if I just went to church and, and just kept it all to myself. Oh, but but you're the preacher. So? But you're the Christian. With a gift that God wants you to use to bless others. Even as you've received it, he says, use it to bless others. Man, y'all getting quiet now. Why? What? Look at this. Look at this. As good, as good, you know what a steward is? Somebody that takes care of somebody else's stuff. You know what that says? The gift you have, it ain't yours. The gift you have has been loaned to you to bless others. You are to use it as a steward. I wonder what's going to happen when you step in glory and God says, okay, what would you do with what I gave you? We'll read a little further, amen. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if you speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do as of the ability which God giveth. In all these situations, he's saying you got to understand you got it from God. Don't get so high-minded. If you're a good teacher, don't get all built up on your teaching skills like, like you somebody because you got them from God. You can sing like a mockingbird. Don't, don't strut around like a peacock like you something because you can, you can sing and, and, and everybody and everybody. You got that from God. Now, watch. Why do we need to keep that attitude? 
that who? God. Say it with me. That. That. In. How many things? How many things? Maybe. Ooh. That means in the way I administer the gift, in the way I share the gift that God has given me, he's glorified. Man, I see preachers sometimes strutting around like they something. And God ain't glorified in that. I see singers showing out and, and they're good and they know they're good. And they forgot that they got that from God. I've seen, I've seen people with gifts in the church that could be so mightily used of God, but they get arrogant. And most of the time, the more gifted, the more arrogant. And God says, look, the whole purpose of you having this gift is so I'll be glorified. The secondary reason is so you can minister to your, your neighbor. But the ultimate purpose of our giftings and, and us to love one another so God will be glorified. What's that mean? When you're nice to your neighbor, God looks good. When you use your gift to be a blessing to others, God looks good. That means God is glorified. Y'all with me? Now, we got 20 minutes. I think we can handle it. All right, let's, let's read this and we'll go to the next outline. And I'll just breeze through it because I know some of y'all will get mad if you throw the outline away and there's no answers on it. Christian love must result in service. Underline that right there. Christian love must result in service. Each Christian has at least one spiritual gift that he must use to the glory of God in the building up of the church. We are stewards. God has entrusted these gifts to us that we might use them for his good in his church. He even gives us the spiritual ability to develop our gifts and be faithful servants of the church. There are speaking gifts. There are serving gifts. And both are important to the church. Not everybody's a teacher or a preacher. Though all can be witnesses for Christ, there are those behind-the-scene ministries that help to make the public ministries possible. God gives us the gifts, the abilities, and the opportunities to use the gifts, but he alone must get the glory. The phrase, oracles of God, does not suggest that everything a preacher or teacher says today is God's truth. Say amen. Because human speakers are fallible. Human speakers, underline that. You need, to, you, need to, you need to get that. Human speakers are fallible. In the early church, there were prophets who had the special gift of uttering God's word. Since the word of God has been completed, though, whoever shares God's word must be careful about what he says and how he says it. All must conform to the written word of God. If somebody comes and tells you God gave them a new revelation and the new revelation is not supported by the old revelation, the, 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 the word of God, then you don't need nothing about the new revelation. Y'all with me? Now, really, really important. Our love has to be practical. You can say you love somebody, but if you don't practice it, if, you don't, if, if it's not seen, uh, what does the Bible say that faith without works is? Dead. All right, now, let's do this. Look at your supplemental outline. Look at your supplemental outline. Now, if you did not have one of them, is there any extras? Where, where's, where's my fellas at? Was there any extras of the supplemental outline? We can get them out. Let's get the, did anybody need one? It says love at the top. Simple, simple, love. Anybody need an outline? Raise your hand real high, real high. There you go. Spread that out. We got them over here wide open. Fast, fellas, fast, fast, fast. All right, turn, your, turn in your Bibles while they're running. In the house of the Lord, only time that's allowed. 
First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter number 13. Turn with me real quickly. First Corinthians chapter number 13. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Need an outline, supplemental outline? All the way in the back, Brother Fry. All the way in the back. There you go, to your left. Okay. All right. First Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 1. Now, uh, Paul is teaching in chapter number 12 about gifts. He's teaching about spiritual gifts. The very last verse of chapter number 12, he says, but let me show you a more excellent way. In other words, now in the, in the, in the church in Corinth, they were fussing and fighting and arguing. I mean, they had strife and contention. And others were saying, well, I have this gift. And others, I got this gift. And, and they were arguing, going back and forth. And, and in other words, they were not using their gifts that God gave them as a tool to build with. They were using them as weapons to fight with. Y'all with me? Now, now, now what, what, what type person will use a hammer to hurt an immature person? A mature person, a seasoned person, will take a hammer and build a house with. You see the, you see the difference? Now, and, and so Paul is instructing them. So you can have your gifts. Yeah, you're gifted. Yeah, you're gifted. Yeah, you have the ability to preach. Yeah, you have the ability to teach. Yeah, you have the ability uh, 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 to do the things you're doing. But, but chapter 13 is a big deal. Watch what he says. He says in, in, in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not, which is love, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. All right, here's what I want you to write down in your notes. Number one, the explanation of love. The explanation of love. We have to have a fervent love for each other, First Peter teaches. Now, let's, let's talk about that love. I, I posted a comment on Facebook the other day that I believe that the biggest problem in most churches today is not the, the, the service schedule, it's not the lack of... Uh, standards it's not the, the the style of music you know all these things that most uh, uh, people say is the problem of the church of today I said the biggest problem of the church today is a lack of love and 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 some uh, uh, person uh, posted on that well define love man I tell you what these people God's working on me amen and before I had a chance to post something uh, Brother Travis Sharp, uh, he put on there, 1 Corinthians 13 defines it pretty good. I said what he said. And it, and it does. I mean, if you want an explanation of love, it doesn't get any better than this. Amen? Now watch. Here's what I want you to write down, A and B. First, I want you to see the importance declared. When he's explaining love, he's explaining to you how important it is. And he used some of the gifts that he described in chapter number 12. And he said, you know, I could, I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels. I, I could speak with, with languages. I could speak any language in the world. But if I don't do it in love, he said, I'm just making noise. 
sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And matter of fact, matter of fact, sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal, they're an irritating noise. It's a high-pitched type irritating noise. Uh, uh, and, 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 and isn't it amazing? Have you ever heard people say a lot of stuff in, in, in just this just flattering style and you know they didn't mean it? How'd you feel about it? It irritated you. It got under your skin. And what he is saying here, he says, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you don't love and if you don't show charity, if you don't love that person and exercise your gift through love, it's worthless. He said, I am nothing. I am nothing. Then he says this. And he says this. Uh, he said, I could have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge. Though I have all faith that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? Nothing. Though I bestow all, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So, so love is incredibly important. The importance declared in verses 1 through 3. Then verses 4 through 7, we see the information defined. He defines love. He says, let me describe it to you. Let me go into detail. I told you how important it is. If I don't have that, I can have every gift in the world and I don't exercise love. It's worthless. It's not helping me any at all. So let me, let me go in detail and define uh, what love is. Let me tell you what it does. It suffereth long. And is... And is, haven't we talked about that word already? Be nice. Charity suffereth long. It's patient. It puts up with. Charity envieth not. Man, wow. We don't get upset when our neighbor gets blessed. We don't get upset when, when somebody else gets something that we wanted. When we truly love them, envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, it's not arrogant, it's not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, not selfish, it's not easily provoked. That's a biggie right there. God's been working on me on that one. I tell you, I, you know, sometimes, sometimes. The devil will get you when, when, when. You ever notice that sometimes after the best services is when you get hit the most? Because at that point, we're kind of close to God and, and we, we think we're really close and we're, 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 we're at that, that, that point that, you know, I'm good. And usually that's when we're the weakest because we're not paying attention. And, and, Love is not easy. You can't make it mad hard. Very difficult when you, when you really love somebody. All right, let me put it this way. When you were dating somebody, when you were dating somebody, and you had those in love feelings, it didn't matter how long she got dressed. When you got married and you've been there a while, and you, you, you're past that stage of, you know, the, the, the fluttery, lovey-dovey feeling. You're still in love, but you, you, you ain't in that euphoria stage. Y'all with me? You know, she can, be, she can be two minutes later than what she said is going to be, and you're in the car honking the horn. Y'all with me? 
easily provoked. But when you, when you, you are exercising and praying, and you remember what we said? Love has to be worked at. Love has to be worked at. The kind of love that God is saying here. Love is not provoked. Uh, thinketh no evil. It's not judgmental. Not constantly suspicious. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Say, say these last ones with me. These are good. Uh, verse number seven. That means to put up with. Say it with me. To. Uh, Alabama translation. Say it again. Put up with. Sometimes love just puts up with stuff. Amen. Beareth all things, believeth all things. What's the next one? And endureth all things. That's love. That's the explanation of love. Then, then number two, I want you to see the expectation of love. Matthew chapter number five, verse 43. I don't have time for you to turn, but I promise you I'll read it just like it's written in your Bible. If you want to turn while I'm reading, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse 43. This is what Jesus says. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth his rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Doth not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Verses 43 and 44, we see A, the realm he extended. Who do we need to love? Who do we need to love? He said, he said don't just love your neighbor, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them. Now, how many of y'all know that's easy preaching and hard living? Mm-hmm. The realm he extended. B, the reason he explained. I'm trying to go quick. We're running out of time. The reason he explained. Why do we have to do that? Why do we need to love our enemy? Because in verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. Because he wants you to be like your daddy. Y'all with me? He wants you to be like your father. You're his child and he wants you to take on his characteristics. What's the, the proudest moment of a parent when they act like the when the child acts like the parent? He's a chip off the old. Your father wants you to take on his characteristics. Amen. It says it says that, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? Romans 8 29. That's verse 28. We all got that memorized. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, God's, uh, God's purpose for your life is to be conformed to Jesus and to take on his characteristics. He wants you to love your neighbor because, or your enemy because he loved his enemy. And, and by the way, guess what, guys? We were all his enemy. He loved those that were nailing him on the cross. The realm he extended, the reason he explained. Then see, the reality he expressed, verse 46 and 47. The reality he expressed. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Doth not even the publicans and sinners the same? 
drug dealers love each other. So when you say you love your child or you love your family, that's not saying a lot. That's not that big a deal. He says, and if you salute your brethren only, if you only love those in the church, what do ye more than others? Do not even the public and soul? That's not above and beyond. If we only care for and spend time with those we like or have things in common with, we are no different than sinners in the world. C.S. Lewis said this. It says D.S. on my paper. I don't know what it says on yours. It's a misprint, but it's supposed to say C.S. Lewis. It says, it is easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or otherwise unattractive. Now, I like this. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. Did y'all catch that? Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. God doesn't want you to love mankind. He wants you to love Manny down at the gym. Or Linda down at the beauty parlor. Or Joe down at the factory. You know the one that cusses everybody breath and irritates you to death? That's who he wants you to love. And he wants us to stop praying for the lost and start praying for Leroy and, and Henry and Cletus. Y'all with me? He wants us to be specific in our prayer. Now, see, number three, real quick. Hey, did you back that up? Did you back like, so I, at the end I'm going to have time for prayer? All right, you the man. Okay, all right. Number three, number three. What was number one? Give me number one again. We see the... The explanation of love. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Then, the, then number two, what was that? We find that in Matthew. Then number three, the evaluation. Number three, the evaluation of love. We find that in John 13. The evaluation of love. Verse 34. This is what Jesus thinks about it. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this, by this, shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another. A and B, write this down and we'll, we'll, we'll pray. We see the extension of deity. Verse 34. What is, what is our love to sinners? It's an extension of Christ's love to us. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. In other words, he loves us so we can love others. Well, how am I going to love them unlovable people? Through Christ. It's the same principle in, in, in the forgiveness message. You know, we find, we find a man being stoned to death. His name is Stephen. And in the midst of being stoned to death, he utters these words, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, don't hold this against them. Forgive them for this. Don't that sound familiar? What does that sound like? Wasn't there a man on a cross one day? Who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do? Oh, yeah. And who was, man, who was it that Stephen saw 
at the time of his stoning and his martyrdom, the Bible says he looks up and sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What's the point? In his darkest hour, he was able to do what Jesus did through Jesus' power in him. Because the Bible said he was full of the Holy Ghost. Stephen was. What does that mean? You're not going to love people or forgive people in your own ability or in your own strength. The only way you're going to love people like Jesus did is for Jesus to love them through you. But he's got to have a willing vessel. He's got to have a willing vessel. You've got to say, God, I want to love them. Help me to love them. You love them through me. Y'all with me? Are y'all getting this? This, this helps me because this helps me say that I can love that turkey I wanted to punch in the face last Wednesday. I'm just trying to make it practical to you. Because you're going to have to love people you want to you wanna deal with. You're going you're gonna to have to love people that you got angry with, who, who upset you, who made you mad, who did something to, to cause anger to rise up in you. You got you to love people like that. You got to love people that do you wrong. You got to love people that treat you bad. You got to love people that hate you and despise you and criticize you. We got to love people like that. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't have that in me to do that on my own, but I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Y'all with me? So the love I'm going to share with others is going to come directly through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, love them as I have loved you. You're going to give them what I gave you. Amen. And that tells me something. You can't love them till you get it from him. It might be that person is just so unlovable and so, so irritating all the time and aggravating. They may not have received the love of Christ. It's hard to give something that you don't have. Amen? Uh, uh, B. Whew, 47 seconds. Uh, the extension of deity. What is our love to others? It's just an extension of Jesus through us. The extension of deity, verse 34. Then verse 35. But by this, what? Our love for others. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. That's the evidence of discipleship. We see that, that that love is an extension of deity, but it's also an evidence of discipleship. You see, the lost world is not going to see that we're disciples by us showing up in this building. They're going to know we're disciples by how we treat people in this building and how we treat people outside this building. And matter of fact, they're going to see it more how we treat people outside this building than how we treat people inside this building because they're not going to be inside this building. They're going to see you operate outside this building. They're going to watch you when somebody cusses you out, how you're going to react. Amen? By this, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The word new does not mean new in time, because love has been an important to God's people even from the Old Testament times. It means new in experience, fresh. It is the opposite of worn out. Love would take on a new meaning and power because of the death of Christ on the cross. With the coming of the Holy Spirit, love would have a new power in our life. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, I don't know of a greater power for good than love. I don't. For God, so love the world. 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's do this. Miss Amber, if you'll find if you'll find that piano, we're going to pray now. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Y'all know what we do. If you'll help me gather around this altar, we're going to pray for our building. Pray that God will provide us our building and the things necessary to make that happen. Uh, give me that name again. 